Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. My guest today is Adriano Zago. Adriano is a biodynamic consultant working mainly in Tuscany. Welcome, Adriano. Welcome to everybody. Now, Adriano, just to start, how did you get into what you do now? Were your family farmers? You come from a farming background? Do you used to go gardening when you were a kid? How did you, how did you start? Yeah, actually not at all, because my family was not in this business. And I studied as an agronomist and a winemaker. And I started with a conventional agriculture. And I discovered very soon that it was not my cup of tea. And so I was quite lucky at those time because so I, when was this? How old were you? I was kind of 15 years ago. Okay, so you were how old? When were you born? Uh, I born in the 77, then oh, you're very 41. Young. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, you're very young. You look uh, like you're about 15. Oh, it's all that biodynamic oh, food on, you eat. You. <laughs> come on. And so I discovered visiting some estate that was something really touching for me on this estate. And after that, I discovered it was a biodynamic farm. And so little by little. So where was this biodynamic farm and what was it called? One was, you know, very nice one was a... Uh, is Castello di Rampolla in Pantani Chianti. Mm-hmm. So very, very well-known Chianti Classico estate. Absolutely, one of the pioneers in, in the real practice uh, biodynamic uh, viticulture and agriculture even. So did you go there specifically to work or did you go there because you were curious about biodynamic? I was curious, first of all, well, I was curious and after some years we get in France and they asked to, you know, to work with them, to share with them some experience that they had in France, in New Zealand, in India. And so we start, uh, you know, and we spent three lovely, really lovely years together. Okay, uh, Castello di Rampola. Yeah. So wh- which wh- which year was that in that three-year period working with them? It was between 10 and 15 years ago. So that was your, you were actually paid as a, as a, as a vineyard worker or as a, as a consultant? No, no, I start as a vineyard worker and a vineyard, you know, manager. Because you're, a, you're an agronomist as well, right? Yes, I'm an agronomist, first of all, and after also a winemaker. I studied for both. So you've got, but you're both an enologist, so you're both an agronomist and an enologist, yeah. which is quite I, rare, isn't it? Yes, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I feel really lucky about that because when, I, when you're talking about wine, I can really understand what's happening on the soil and I can also discuss with people and managing also other crops, you know, vegetables, fruits, and I work also on these crops. And for me, it's a, it's a huge challenge and I'm really honored to you to work with a farmer that you know, uh, grow vines, fruit, vegetable, wheat, and all sort of crops. So wheat, oli- uh, olives, absolutely. Yeah. So, ba- so basically, you're an agronomist, you're a viticulturalist, uh, you're a biodynamic expert, yeah, and you're an enologist. Yeah, that's anything else. You champion, world champion, uh, no, skier, no, 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 no way, like no <laughs> way, no way. But listen, for me, in my vision, it's quite normal to be that if you want to really apply biodynamic. Because if you, if I take to you one example as a as a doctor, if you visit a one homeopathic doctor, he's first of all a doctor and supposed to be a good one, and after that, it's even a specialist in homeopathic. And for me to be a homeopathic specialist, uh, sorry, a biodynamic finally specialist, it's necessary to be at least an agronomist and even a winemaker. Right, so you can link, you can join the dots between the, the, the grape growing yeah. and the grape processing. Yeah. So yeah. That, that is what makes you very unusual in the uh, world of wine. Trust me, yeah. folks. All right. Um, there are very I few, didn't know that. No, it's true. <laughs> there are very few people like Adriano who has um, the technical knowledge as well as obviously the, the passion for biodynamics. So 
Castello di Rampolo, you were working there and you learned a lot from them. What was the next step? The next step was start to be a consultant because people start to ask me, you know, little things and step by step. So why were they, why were suddenly people getting interested in organic and biodynamic and which year are we talking? Was this 10 years ago, 15 years uh, yes, ago? Yes, 10, between 10, 15 years ago, we, we were talking about, you know, Toscan mostly, then Chianti Classico area and no, Toscan in general, honestly. And I start, I restarted in Toscany where I moved 18 years ago. And so I started a consultant in the state in Toscany, little by little, out of Toscany, out of Italy, blah, blah, blah. But were people interested in organics then because they were worried about pesticides? Or were they interested in organics and biodynamics because they felt it would make uh, better quality? Or were they interested in organics and biodynamics because maybe the trend for, say, the super Tuscan wines, these French grapes that didn't always work very well in a hot Tuscan climate, weren't really delivering what they wanted? What do you think people's motivations well, were? In my, in my case, I think that it was more drastic because I never touch organic agriculture and I switch from the conventional from my education to biodynamic straight away didn't yeah, go for organic away. at all no for me it's not an option why not because you know just don't use poison it's better than nothing but it's not enough and so I don't want to spend my life because it's cost a lot of sacrifice working and traveling around the world just to don't use pesticide they won't really be involved in the creation of something better about you know vitality of the soil quality food quality process all maintenance system and so i'm really interested on that yeah i always describe what you're saying about organics is about what you don't do yeah. i don't spray this i don't spray that and biodynamics is about what you do do which is i do spray cow manure sprays i do spray i use dandelion horsetail and various plants it's taking care the concept the, the the big difference for me is really taking care of the piece of land whatever if you grow vines you're making wine you make your apricots uh, apricots or whatever but is, is not really enough just don't use poison because we have any sort of poison also about you know on the air on the water and whatever then we really in my opinion need to create fertility create more vitality and biodiversity and we have some tools specific in uh, biodynamic agriculture you know the same that you mentioned it now so what about this idea of a biodynamic vineyard should try and become a self-sustaining organism to try and be as self-sufficient as possible in terms of fertility for compost for example yeah yeah we we have uh, some typical tools in biodynamic as the compost that you named otherwise but we really start from taking care of the soil and uh, with the soil we start to work with eliminating herbicides and whatever and introducing green manure for example so green manure cover crops yeah cover crops and different sort of cover crops studying depending you know the needs of the soil the needs of the vineyards and whatever okay i'll give you an example of cover crops so i'm on say a very fertile soil yeah um so i'm in the in the low part of the valley and my vines are very vigorous and i always have problems with say botrytis and things like that what are you going to suggest i do as i sow between my vine rows as a cover crop in this example we work with a permanent cover crop a permanent one yeah okay. yeah as a cereal and even you know the polyannual herbs that's really aggressive herbs able to to calm 
And to, to keep suck out the energy of the soil. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of water, nutrients, and whatever. And so we is a is a powerful tool in order to maintain the low vigor of So you're saying the, the cover crop is like a pump, it sort of pumps Absolutely. water out of the soil yeah, yep. as it grows, it obviously needs water to live and then it that evaporates as it shoots. Make it competition with vines, that is you know the goal so then you reduce the you, it's like a break you're slowing down the vine and, absolutely, and making absolutely. it less risky. yeah all right, all right now i've got a vineyard on the top of a hill yeah uh say 600 600 meters in chianti classico very luminous very bright a lot of solar radiation steep slopes cholesterol soil free draining and you come along with your weird biodynamic ideas so everyone's going to start sowing cover grass i mean no way you're going to kill my vineyard what are you going to sow there yeah that's what i call uh, oxidative soil it's a really high consumption soil in order of organic matter. So we need to use all our best strategy to grow organic matter on this soil and starting by uh, green manures or cover crops with leguminoses with so, old plants that's bringing nitrogens into the soil. So they're leguminous, they're legumes. Legumes suck nitrogen out of the atmosphere and they release them into the soil via their roots. So yeah. That's a food source. Yep. Everybody knows a peas. Peas. Peas, peas, peas is an example of... Peas and uh, beans. Yeah, peas and beans, exactly. is a popular example about leguminoses. We use a lot of 500 preparations. So just the 500 is um, the horn manure preparation that's used in Binamics, which is a soil spray made of um, fermented cow manure which is full of microorganisms and life. Perfect. And then we use, you know, tilling system soil. We we might also give some organic manure, you know, animal animal manure. And so we use also composting technique. We try to compost all part of the vineyard that we don't use in making wine. We just use a little part of the crop producing wine because we drink a juice. We so, never forgot. So you mean you're recycling the seeds and yeah. pips which come out of the winery? Seeds, peppers and wood which we have a um, particular um, machine. machine who chop so basically this is the the prunings the that pruning, Adriana's talking about yeah, in the winter yeah, obviously sorry. you prune the vines and you can you can um, chop them up uh, it's obviously it's little bits of wood which are full of carbon yeah and other um, nutrients and you chop those up and um, what makes sense there is that vines used to grow they were originated in the edge of the forest and the idea is that this woody material creates a microbiological balance that makes the vine feel that she's back in the forest and so she's incredibly happy. You're right. Yeah, that's exactly that. And we process that in a compost technique following some uh, biodynamic uh, ideas ideas, and inoculating with biodynamic preparation and blah, blah, blah. And so we take that and after we add this uh, with organic manure, with organic compost um, to the soil when the soil is really poor in, ad- in addition to the other technique that we already use. So by composting everything, what Adriana is saying is that um, you're putting soil back into the soil because obviously the, the wood and all the rest of it that grew actually did come from the soil. So you're actually putting that back. And the idea is that you're keeping the farm gate closed yep. and you're not buying infertility, say, in a, a plastic sack with fertilizers. <laughs> you're closing the farm gate and you're using your terroir to enrich your terroir. Exactly. And otherwise, when we don't, when we have not enough resourcing in our in our estate we try to make some alliance with all other neighbors maybe that they are you know the producer of milk why not on the other rate they, they raise other other animals so they'll have cows that, that yeah. produce lovely um, manure which is good for composting because the organic the sorry the organism that uh, the the farming organism that we have in our mind it, it doesn't you know it doesn't need to to be the same with the, the with the with the boundary exactly yeah, yeah you're 
right? And so we can really make a nice alliance with other 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 producers and make a big organism, agricultural organism, that's the word. So what Adriano is saying is, is um, in the idea of biodynamics, you're trying to create a self-sustaining living organism. So if you have a vineyard and you've only got four hectares, just so your whole your whole vineyard is um, your your landowning is say four hectares, and 3.8 of that is vineyard, yeah. you really don't have a lot of space to have cows and that would produce manure for fertility. So what Adriano is saying is if your neighbours have cows, you can maybe use some of their manure and you can give them some wine in return and you may have a cereal farmer down the road as well and he lacks a bit of manure and he can give some grain or some other seeds that he's growing and this is a really revolutionary but incredibly sensible idea that farming we've become totally lost and, and becoming very individual and also in wine growing this idea of terroir my site is better than yours leaning across the fence and talking to your neighbours is absolutely fundamental for good organic and biodynamic management sorry I just had to say that but that's what Adriano was saying and it's so rare to see and hear that you know in Tuscany where people are said to be quite the Tuscans are quite tough and, and yeah, it, Italians are very individualistic <laughs> which is a wonderful thing don't get me wrong it's a, that's part of that is the beauty of Italy but leaning over the fence and doing what Adriano is doing and encouraging farmers to do is revolutionary trust me folks it is okay oh, next sorry okay <laughs> thank you and then yeah that's it the agricultural organisms uh, was a, a marvelous stuff that Steiner gave, gave to us and so that's you know that's more or less the technique that we can use for starting to improving, improving the function of the soil when one soil is really poor and oxidative. So, so you make it sound so simple, but I, I work as a consultant. It's not. Well. It's, <laughs> what are the difficulties? Is it is it is it people management? Is it finance? Is it people feeling that you? Oh my God, this biodynamic guy is going to destroy the farm in two seconds. What are, what are the what are the what are the concerns that people raise with you? But normally, when somebody you know think that the biodynamic going to destroy the the farms, doesn't call. And so <laughs> that is that is easy. No, in my opinion, the human factor is more difficult to manage because sometimes you you can really not manage that. And because the technique, the agricultural technique, the biodynamic technique in the in wine cellar, in the vineyard, after a while, you manage little by little that. But the human factor is the more challenging one. On the estate because you have to you know to feel what's happened when you enter in a in a farm in the morning for me the challenge the first challenge of the day is feeling what is on the air and this, so you're sensing what what yeah. there may be their fear or their optimism or their yeah and that is, is not just a overly romantic stuff is a tech a dramatically technical stuff because in one you know in one regard, you should be able to understand if there is something that you have to catch. And after that, work with that or work on that for the rest of the day. It's a bit like being um, a t- manager of a sports team, like a football team or a cricket yeah. team. You, the psychology kind of. of the of the of the the psychology of the tractor driver, for example, will be totally different to the psychology of the analogist. Will be different <laughs> to the psychology of the owner of the of the estate. Oh, yeah. So the owner of the estate may want one thing, and the workers are, are afraid. They think, God, you know, if we go biodynamic, we're gonna we're gonna go out of business, and I'm gonna lose my job. I have a mortgage. I have two kids, and that's why. Um, it is it, people management is so is so critical. It's not just about knowing your biodynamics and your lunar cycles. It's about psychology, isn't it? And I think the more talking and talking, do their stuff is to have a result, because after a while you can blah 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 for years, for years and years, and talk and talk and talk. But the owner, the director, everyone wants to see some kind of result, and so they need, and I need first of all to see that soil change, product change, wine change, 
and also the social part of the estate change. And so I think that in a couple of years, my, you know, my time is between two and three years. I need to see maybe more than something. I say something, but when I say something, I say really something. And so we need to, to, to touch, to feel and to, to eat and drink something different than before. Yeah, you need to get results, basically. Absolutely, no way. So how, I mean, you're working with some, some large estates, some very large estates in Tuscany and elsewhere. Is it easier working with a small estate or is it easier working with a big estate? That's really different. Sometimes it's really easier work with a big one because, you know, everything is well, you know, you can organize our job properly. And then sometimes it can be also more difficult to work with the, with the small estate because I remember every time that, you know, a small producer is a producer, father, husband and many other stuff. And so he has not time to manage at the best all that, you know, all the day. And so that, but joke aside, it really depends, it really depends. Is the size doesn't describe so much about you know the difficulties of my my job. But is it easier working with when you walk into an estate, for example? So a small estate may be family owned. Yeah. So the tractor driver, the winemaker, yeah. the invoice sender, the publicity <laughs> person is one person. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a bigger estate, you'll have a vineyard manager who's an employee, a sales manager who is an employee, and obviously then an owner at the top. Does that make it easier that you've got staff that have a delegated jobs that you can deal with rather than say a family person who has like 15 different titles? It's really depending my my opinions in how deeper the people, the person want to be involved in the process. It's really depending on that because sometimes you can really find some director that is so passionate about that and that is, you know, is a dream work with people like that. And sometimes you can find a small owner that is completely fanatic about my job and uh, <laughs> and so we can sometimes, you know, I can also, can, I, I should calm people because maybe they are more fanatic <laughs> than me. It's interesting you say you should come. I'm not, you know, I know exactly what you're saying. You you have some wine growers that want to be 150% biodynamic within two yeah. minutes, and they yeah. just and you got to say, hey, calm down. It's- yeah, because sometimes you know, people call you and they say, I want to start a biodynamic by the horse. Okay, please, yeah. don't, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> we can have what the horses in a few years, but yeah, not we, today. Not today, even not tomorrow. <laughs> and so in this case, you have to make a priority. You have to be, in my opinion, stay really technical with a nice vision. So you can dream, but with the feet on the ground. Yeah, that's very well put. I think you're right. It's step by step, isn't it? Yeah. And keeping people's expectations realistic. Yeah. And sometimes you can really go very fast. If you are realistic, you can go faster sometimes that you are a dreamer. So, So if I have a really heavily conventional vineyard, no matter what the size, how many years... I know the figure I, I ascribe in my mind. How many years would it would it take to turn it around to your satisfaction so that the wines really change and the vineyard almost starts to regulate itself? If you are talking about really starting, see something, I think in between two and three years. Okay. Definitely. So you, that's when you first really start seeing the changes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, year three. And normally, if yeah. we want to pretend to have a you know, stable change and you know, appreciate the wine change, the style of wine, it's, it's more in the, between 
five and seven years. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. I, I always say about seven years. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that does make sense. Yeah, year two is the hard year because in year two, in year one, the vines have still got lots of soluble fertilizers to be like, hey, this is okay. We've got this weird Zago mm-hmm. guy who's turned up and doing all this weird biodynamic shit, but we're okay. In year two, they're like, fuck, where's the food? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's the hard. And if you get a difficult season in year two, that's the tricky moment, isn't it? Yeah. So how do you prepare for that? I mean, that you know that that's coming year two when the vines are like, they know something has changed. Do you do anything extra special in year two, or do you just say no? This is we just got to get through. It's like it's like a, it's like a drug addict that's on a, in detox. It just get them through that difficult period. If you get them through that period, then we know that we've got a real chance of converting the estate. Yeah, it's really dependent by the cases. But what I want to, what I normally do is try to involve as much as possible people that I work with. Listen, listen, guy. We are starting a process that you know, I know a little bit better than you, but is a vital, is a natural process that we can know say in advance what's happening in a couple of months even one year and try also to to make you know really convince really convincing the producer that even the conventional producer they are not completely sure that the crop it will be the same every year and that is, that's the reason that's a realistic perception because we can see how many conventional producers switching in the organic or the even biodynamic agriculture because if you are talking with a honest conventional agriculture they they will say to you that you know they have a huge problem and there's no other solution because chemical you know they just change molecules they just change year. the brand of the spray they're using but they have yeah. like you're talking about disease resistance to, to pesticides exactly. and the cost you know increase every year and the, the people around your farm you know, the population doesn't want that and the market even the restrictions about you know limb using pesticides yeah, are getting stronger aren't a, they? exactly is a such a huge luckily problem for the conventional farm that they start to to thinking about that reflecting about that and so and they they, they switch in, in organic and biodynamic agriculture honestly also just about, about for that because it's starting to to be you know more and more difficult. Yeah, it's, it's much harder to say that biodynamics or organics doesn't work. I mean, you know, 10, 10 12% of Italy, France, Spain, Germany, Austria yeah. are all successful. Um, 90%, 99% of successful, successful economically and also critically. It's very hard to say it doesn't work. That is really hard. We can say that it's not perfect. Yeah, no but system is, but... No, we have, you know, some probably that we have no solution for that. But as everybody, because I was in the other, you know, kind of agriculture with the chemical, conventional or integrate... So that's in, that's integrated, which is IPM, which is low input um, conventional agriculture, trying to get rid of some of the harder sprays. But basically, you're, you, you get, you're not smoking 20 cigarettes a day, you're down to five, but yeah. you're still smoking. <laughs> but you're sad that smoking is dangerous. Anyway. Yeah, you're that is. smoking is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have, such a, such a, have so many people writing in saying, yeah. oh, you were so rude about conventional farming with that Sargo guy. <laughs> um, anyway, so what about the elephant in the room, which is climate change? Is biodynamic viticulture and agriculture a buffer against climate change or is it just as useless as um, any other system? Oh, hard to say because it's a huge challenge that we have in front of us. And, you know, in 2018, once again, we are in another exceptional harvest and you know, kind of uh, season. season. Yeah, it's, very, it's been very wet so far. In, um, we had sun and then lots and lots and lots and lots of rain, which is very unusual. But we are talking about exceptional you know, season on the last uh, pretty kind of 10 years. Uh, surely within seven and eight years, every season is exceptional. So what we can do about that? Don't use 
use herbicide, don't use chemical stuff is a huge help for the soil system because we don't kill organic matter. And organic matter is the only part of the soil that can absorb the water in excess and that can keep the water in case of strength, uh, hydric stress. So it's like a sponge, basically. So when Absolutely. it rains, you yeah. want the rain to stay in your vineyard and not erode your soil away. And so when it's hot, which we get these very hot periods, you have some reserves in the soil. Yeah, right? yeah. You have so, you know, tough rain when when raining and we need to prepare our soil against the erosions is no way conventional agriculture has not tools to do that the only one is organic but drastically better biodynamic agriculture because we have you know cover crops organic organic matter we can grow on the soil with preparation we can put on the soil with the 500 with the 500 and the compost and whatever and so that's for sure don't kill the soil is the first the first help that we can have for the climate change and after that we know that climate change are really powerful and i don't know if we if we'll be able to manage that but we will discover so just to quickly remind everybody the 500 is the horn manure 500 which is horn manure uh, sorry cow manure varied in a cow horn for six months and when you spray you dilute that in water you dig it up not the horn the contents of the horn which is the cow manure is become very earthy and you dilute it in water and aerate it a bit and you spread on the soil the idea is provides lots of microorganisms and they are the ones that create tiny little holes in the soil which makes the soil spongy which is what Adriano says so when it does rain uh, we get these sort of Brazilian style downpours now rather than seeing your vineyard sort of erode away very quickly in a couple of hours and the idea is that these um that's having this porous uh, living soil um, is like a, it's more spongy so you get less erosion and uh, means you keep your soil because there is no soil shop right there's no like amazon.com no uh, no way <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like 750,000 tons of cholesterol please from my county <laughs> amazon's going to say sorry guys we're out of cholesterol we just don't have enough I'm afraid we've got there's a big run on cholesterol recently uh, that's so. alright what are you doing in terms of pruning and canopy management just basic viticulture to deal with some of these climatic extremities like either very very hot dry weather or incredibly rainy short burn what are you doing in terms of pruning and, and canopy management? It's a canopy management. We try to keep as much as possible the leaves in case of really, you know, hot season, as it can be 2000, 2017, or even maybe also 2018, we will see. And But aside that, we try to follow the personality of each season on the vineyard. And this is no way. And so we try to be really flexible about canopy system, canopy management, soil management. Uh, soil management. And so we try to don't and I try there's a big challenge for my mind first of all because you know it's really easy to have some idea and keep the idea for every year yeah like a water recipe absolutely yeah and uh, and it's not necessary anymore it's even dangerous the, my personal challenge is to be changing every year um, thinking different for every vineyard for every variety for every canopy management uh, for every year and yeah that makes your job far more interesting you got to really think, don't you? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Because you do have consultants that literally have one recipe. We won't name names, yeah. but winemaking, for example. I've worked for several very well-known consultants without naming them and it's just the same recipe for everything you know um, that was a while ago to be honest I'm sure things have changed but um, it's nice to hear that you're saying that you're, you're much more creative now aren't you you have to be much more creative as a consultant yes I think it's a, it's a really nice part of my job to be creative and these are kind of surviving also a kit uh, that you have in your pocket because uh, it's no way because you need to create solutions and ideas and sharing this doubt 
you have with different people in different climates in different varieties and if I think that yesterday was you know for example the north Italy in Friuli and after that I was in Bologna and this morning I'm in Montalcino so I have to think in that every time that on this place I'm on this place that I'm really you, to make you think a, like you're the vineyard yes I really need a high presence you know the, the real presence uh, yeah. Yeah, with mind body soul and whatever you know to see what's happening around me when I park my car and you know as I say breathe the air and you see the birds what's going on yeah why not yep. yeah just little details and to help you to stay on the place to stay on the you know know the people I'm friends with most of uh, people that I work with produce and, and it is also necessary because I need to be in touch with the family with the old people or the team I work you know on the same level with team and owner doesn't you know it's not a different yeah, equal. yeah it's equal yeah because pe- I need to, to feel what's happened in the mind also the people that are doing the stuff because finally sometimes they're, they're the just that... the workers doing the you know something the pruning preparation racking wine and whatever also about selling wine I need for the for the market people see what's happened when you are when you are selling these wines what is the perception of the clients and that's helped me to understand what's happened on the bottle it's good it's good to hear also consult I mean I'm, I'm not the only one but you know but ultimately you don't have a job unless the wine sells <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the, we always talk about environmental sustainability, but economic sustainability is, is, yeah. your, is always your starting point. Um, it sounds silly saying that sounds very um, money-driven way of thinking about things, but it's true that if 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 you make a screw up in the vineyard and the soil erodes because you choose a bad cover crop, then there's no wine that year, and that's an economic Absolutely. disaster. Absolutely, then you have to take in charge, you know, the sustainability, as you say, in the all levels. If you see that, you know, the a farmer is doing something really, really bad about economical or financial items, you should, you know, you should interact with him in order to say, listen, consider maybe is that is that is not is not correct. It's that can be quite hard wrong. though, can't it? Yeah. When it so, comes to budgets and money and Yeah. yeah t- I work with the budget of the with the with, with farmers because in, they know that I'm used to see different with different budget and so I need to share also the, this part of the my job because otherwise if you have not economical sustainability, there is no way to making, you know, wine by dynamic cows and even not horses. Yeah, environmental sustainability de- depends on economic sustainability absolutely no way no way especially now there's always a high pressure about that so you're optimistic about the future both personally and generally absolutely yes do you think we can change climate change around with better farming because i mean one of the huge contributors of greenhouse gases is farming yes i think that we we have to change human brain for you know to work on the on the on the on the climate changing and so I ain't working on that. Yeah, well, you're not alone. You'll struggle, but maybe if there, you know, a few thousand, I try billion, least, million okay. like yeah. you, then uh, no. I think um, what you're saying is, um, I mean, I, I think exactly the same as you. I think the more carbon we can put back in the soil, the more likely it is that we've got a chance of addressing climate change. Because ultimately, there are other greenhouse gases out there, but methane, for example, which is also not a, not a great one. But you know, the farming community. Um, we all have to eat, so we all depend on farming. There isn't anybody in the world, it can be whatever religion you are, or colour, or creed, whatever. We all do two things a day: we eat and we shit. And eating is 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 the way that we can. What we eat and what we drink is is the way that we can maybe turn climate change around. Yeah, that's right. Is the most impacting stuff that we can do, taking care about our you know nutrition. 
yeah personal nutrition because it's the, the most impacting the thing that has the biggest impact i mean you if you don't if you don't ever work as a consultant again you could easily be like a top model he's adrian is a very tall good-looking lad <laughs> he's got like sun lots like you know suntan not clean shaven i like a loose baggy green t-shirt <laughs> And uh, so you, you, you could also like maybe the sexy side of biodynamics because in biodynamics we just think of old wizened men <laughs> with their little seedling calendars looking at the lunar cycles yeah. and you're not, you've got a mobile phone, you even have a car, you didn't arrive on a donkey, I was quite surprised. <laughs> so you're very forward thinking and very outward looking and very much connected with economics. Just want to say thanks to my guest today, Adriano Zaga. We could literally talk for hours, but we don't want to bore you. I will get you back. Maybe next time we can do an interview with you actually in the field. Yeah, why not? That'd That'd be great. Sure. A nice yeah. idea. It's really a pleasure for me. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, yeah. we can we can um, we can talk. We can get some some of the nitty gritty of the actual biodynamic stuff and all the weirdy beardy stuff that you do. And uh, we can smell the soy by podcast. Yeah, we'll have to get a smellometer. That's not yeah. too expensive. <laughs> and and also microbial measure as well, so we can we can see that your hormone really does contain all the microorganisms that you said. As Adriano Zago, biodynamic consultant. Thanks very much for coming on the Italian Wine Podcast today. It's been a privilege talking to you, especially for me as a as a biodynamic Taliban. It's <laughs> nice to meet a fellow biodynamic Taliban. But hopefully. Folks, if you're listening at home, everything that Adriano has said is common sense. That's the bottom line. And if you want good wine, you need to have healthy vineyards. Full stop. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Thank you, Martin. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.